I shall not, look at the last word, want. Somebody say want. The word want means lack. So what he's really saying to me, what David is really saying, because Jesus is my shepherd, I won't need anything. How many of I want to get to a place that you know that Jesus got you so much that you don't need nothing in 2023? Will they cry out to God and say, you are a burden lifter. God, you are my shepherd that I don't want for anything. God, you are the head. And I'm not the tail. You are the lifter up of my head. That's how you know and find out about I heard the Lord say in my spirit, this is an unshakable house. And so, you know, you, you hear a lot. Uh, you see it a lot. I, I think sometimes, how many of y'all know it not to be facetious, but how many of y'all know sometimes we need to be married to somebody that's a pastor? Uh, we need to have been a pastor to understand what it feels like. Uh, to be a pastor, uh, I think a lot of times we in society and even in the church don't take in consideration. It's a difficult month when you speak to a lot of pastors, not to be negative, but a lot of pastors, they, are, they do have a hard time with the month of October uh, because as a lot of times what happens, they get disappointed because for some reason people stop showing up during the month of October. They, they don't come out. They don't give towards their pastors. I don't know what that is, but it is that a pastor works so hard all year long, and then that one time of a year, we ask for people to celebrate us, and they pretty much let us know what they think. So it's, but I've come to the conclusion that guess what? I'm gonna love those that don't do, and I'm gonna love those that do do. Come on, somebody say amen, right? At the end of the day, if you put emphasis on the ones that don't do, they'll turn around and make you not appreciate the ones that do do. How many of y'all know I'm telling the truth today, right? So I'm grateful today for all of you that are here, that made it out today, and thank you, and everybody can be seated. We're grateful. And uh, so a question came to mind. I was dealing with pastors on Thursday as they talked about Pastor Appreciation Month and different things. And I, I try to really take things to a positive in terms of always finding a negative. Or I try to teach us where we can really think about the things that we do and the behavior that we have. I'm not really putting emphasis on what's not working and what is working and who don't love you and who don't love you because at the end of the day, uh, people are going to be people. So how many of y'all know what I'm saying, right? And how many of y'all know once people show you who they are, they are who they are. They show you who they are. So you spend too much time putting emphasis. Once you know, my grandmother said a statement a long time ago. I didn't know it until now, but she said, she used to say to me all the time, she said, Gregor, once you know, you know. And I didn't know what she was talking about. When she said, once you know, you know, I didn't have any. But at the end of the day, you know, we're grateful. Somebody say amen, right? Amen. So my, my job has always been because I love, I love loving people and I love being a pastor. Uh, I love watching what God do in people's lives. I think it's the most incredible thing in the world. I think it's uh, just awesome how great of a God we serve. And how many of you believe we do serve an awesome God? Come on, amen, right? Yeah, we serve an And so I always try to look at things from a positive perspective, no matter how negative things are. And so today I want to just teach you something that the rest of us, some of you might know, then some of you might not know. But I want to just kind of put emphasis on a point uh, that we have to look at. So today I want to ask you this question. If you put it up on the board, why honor is so high on the list? 
And, and you're going to hear what I'm talking about today because what I'm basically speaking with you in reference to is that why did God put honor at number five on the Ten Commandments? Why did God make honor be so high on the list? Why is, so, why is honor so important to God? We, we got to think about that. Because there are a lot of blessings that we don't get from God uh, because of the way we do things. How many of y'all know that for a fact, right? How many of y'all can honestly say that I probably cut off a few blessings out of my life because, Amen. come on, let me, let me see some honest people, right? Well, let's, and, and, and so I want to talk about this, and I, and I pray that you really find positiveness in this, that you find yourself benefiting from a positive perspective and not thinking of it from a negative perspective. But one of the things I want you to understand is that it's, it's number five on the Ten Commandments. And... I didn't really understand it fully all these years until I learned that honor produces faith. When you're honorable, the more faith you have. When you're dishonorable, you struggle with fate. You literally struggle with fate when you have a dishonorable attitude. You, your faith doesn't grow in God. Now, and this is what the enemy has done to us. He's really, and I want y'all to really catch this. He's really done a great job with the way he's disguised things, especially because we live in such an intelligent generation today. Our young people are intelligent. They, you know, I watched the, the capabilities they have with technology, and it's absolutely amazing, right? And, you know, sometimes you look and say, Jesus, how did he do that? And, but at the end of the day, uh, God has equipped them to really catch on quick. You see a three-year-old, two-year-old kid can take a phone, and they can, you know, my granddaughter, used to watch her and like, oh, my God, she, give me your phone, Papa. I'm like, what did you just press? <laughs> she don't got a movie up or she don't got a video up. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I understand. But I want you today to really open your hearts. So I'm going to pray this prayer real quick. Everybody would just look up here. and I'm going to pray this prayer over you. That Holy Spirit, I would ask you that you would touch the heart of each and every soul here today. And I bind the spirit of offense up in the name of Jesus. That we will receive this word with humility and submission and surrender in Jesus' name. And everyone that struggle Holy Spirit with this area, I ask today that they would do a self-evaluation honestly and say that's me and decide to make a change. Amen? All right, so we're talking about honor and uh, we want to know why honor is so important on God's list. We want to know why honor is so important with the Ten Commandments. And I said to you before, honor produces faith. And it also produces you to have a greater faith once you walk in honor to believe God. So if you're wondering why there's areas in your life that you can't believe for the greater things, ask yourself what area in your life are you dishonoring God? Whatever area that's dishonoring God fights against your belief in God. It fights against your ideal of why what God says is not totally true. Because when you don't have honor, honor is a creativity towards your faith increasing. Now hear me good today. Hear me good. I'm not here to be facetious or to be mean. I just want you to hear this statement and then you can make evaluation for yourself Okay, so how many of y'all saved in the building? Let me see how many saved people in the building. Oh, yeah, we got it now. Y'all in trouble. All right, here we go. <laughs> so 
So honor produces faith, a greater faith to believe God. So let's go here so we can get evidence. So let's go to Exodus, the 20th chapter and verse number 12. And I promise you, you're going to enjoy this. I promise you, you will sit here and you will enjoy this. But Exodus, how many of y'all believe me? Exodus 20 and 12, you know, for some reason, I don't know how we, did I put that in there? If we're not, we can go ahead and put up on the board. Go, is it up there? Okay, wonderful. All right, so, you know, I don't have it on paper, but here he said, now notice what he said. He said, honor your father and your mother. My people say, well, what if I got a bad mother and father? It made no difference. He didn't say honor them only if they're good. He didn't say honor them only if they do everything you expect. He said, honor your mother and your father. But here's something about that same scripture that we don't really pay attention to, right? So let's read again. Honor your mother and father. Let's read together about it. Here we go. Honor mother, right? That what? You notice what he says, that the days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Well, who is he talking about? In this scripture, he's talking to the Israelites. When he put the, this is commandment number five. So he's speaking to the Israelites and he's telling them, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land. So what he's really saying to them is this. The behavior of you younger ones. I'm not talking about the day. I'm talking about Israelites. We'll get to that in a minute. This Old Testament. The behavior of y'all, you younger ones, is a problem. So when I told Moses to do the Ten Commandments, I said, honor your mother and father, whether you like them or not, Amen. so that you will get a positive outcome. So that you will get what I promise you. Watch this, right? Because he said, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God, your God, is giving you. So what is he saying? He said, I promise you land. I promise you Canaan. Flown with milk and honey. They came back with a cluster of grapes. He said, I promise you that. He said, but you would never get what I promise you if you do not honor your parents. You won't live a long time if you don't honor your mother and father. That's exactly what the scripture said. That's the, it, it's it's got to be important. It's number five on the list out of the Ten Commandments. The ten most important thing. He said, but number five is, I want you to understand that if you do not honor your parents, you don't live a long time. And the promises that I have for you futuristically, you will not get them. You have no right to be dishonorable. Uh-oh. Let me get back up here. It's set upon the land that God's going to give you. Not upon the land that you're going to go out and get yourself. But upon the promises that I'm going to give you, I need you to honor. None of us probably got perfect parents. A lot of us got great parents. Amen? But we're not perfect parents. We don't do everything right because when you get over in the New Testament and you get over in Ephesians 6, it talks about honor your mother and father and what does happen when Jesus dies for us. He said, let me go ahead and make it a little further. The commandment is one thing, but I'm going to take it even a little further. He says, honor your mother and father. Then he says to what? And parents don't provoke. Because, you know, a lot of us parents was taking that scripture there and just acting like, oh, you know, I can treat you any kind of way, do you any kind of way. 
No, if you dishonorable, you provoke. So it's a two-sided coin. But the only problem is, you got to take responsibility for your actions. Praise God, right? So they're coming out of Egypt. They're coming out of bondage. They've been in bondage 400 years. They're out in the wilderness for 40 years instead of 11 days that it should have took. Why do you think it took them 40 years instead of 11 days? Dishonorable. Because here's what God said to them. The reason why you didn't see the promised land, and everybody knows if you read the scripture, there's two million people, but only two people make it out of two million to the promised land. Well, what happened to the 1,998,000? What happened to them? They were dishonorable, and this is what God said. If you don't, a lot of them was dishonorable to their parents because they got a group that got in and got in the midst of it, in the midst of the group, and started telling them to disobey what their parents had already lived. I know your parents said God is good, but you got to remember that we spent 400 years in bondage. You got to remember all these other things. Just like today. Y'all know I'm telling the truth, right? You got Christian kids, Christian young adults, listen to unsaved people. You're in church too much. You're in the club too much. You smoke dope too much. You drink too much. If we're going to talk, let's go all around the table. Pass the mic. Let's pass the mic around the table. You drink too much. Thank you, son. No, let's get a little further. Let's go a little further. Come on. So they're coming out of Egypt out of bondage. They spend 40 years in the wilderness. But everybody dies. From 20 and up, and never sees the promised land. Two million people, except two, all died, never seen the promised land. Well, you know what God was saying? If you ain't gonna disobey your parents, you sure ain't gonna disobey me. Because if you're dishonorable towards your parents, you definitely gonna be dishonorable towards me. So they never saw the promise. They never saw the things. This is why the church is failing today because we're not dealing with our children and even with ourselves to be honorable. Amen. We're not even honorable towards each other. Amen. Social media was never created for the foolishness that we do now. Amen. That's not why God ordained social media. But how many of y'all know dishonorable people who don't honor each other now eat each other alive? Come on, y'all help me out today. Come on, help me out. How many of them tell the truth? So there's this spirit that's in our younger society and society, even, even the older ones. It's not even just the young. Even the older ones that we have gotten into a place that we have become a culture that calls, I don't care. Okay, all right. I'm going to go back here. Let me go back to what I wrote here because y'all y'all kind of looking at me kind of crazy. But y'all know I'm telling the truth, right? We do have a culture that don't care. Nothing moves them. Walk up to your murder for nothing. 
You disrespected me. How? You accidentally bumped into me. You deserve to die for that. It's a culture that don't care. Am I saying something today? Let's go a little further. What stopped them from getting there? We know it's honor, dishonor. They didn't honor. What stopped them? Because usually when you don't honor, you don't believe. Because people that don't honor somebody is telling them, I don't believe in you. I want to hear what you got to say. You don't tell me nothing. So what they're saying is, not only am I dishonoring you, but I don't believe in you. When you dishonor people, your belief in them goes down. You find yourself easily not even finding yourself to be respectful. You know, when I grew up in the 60s and 70s, Right? We were scared to even approach the pastor. Oh, come on, we, we might as well just deal with it, honestly. The stuff that we say to pastors now, he's a man like I'm a man. Ah, that's partially true. But I'm not a man like you're a man. I'm your man of God. I'm down to earth, I'm loving, but don't get it twisted. I'm still your man of God. Come on, somebody say amen, right? So, let's just show you what I'm talking about. Let's go to Mark, the sixth chapter. Let me show you. God, we thank you. Somebody said, Lord, we thank you. We thank you today. How many of y'all do believe that we need to get more honorable? Let me see the people. How many of y'all know that we're just not as honorable as we should be? Put your hands up if you really believe that. Let me see your hands. Go back. All right. So then y'all on the same page with me. Well, I'm going to show you today in different examples on why it's imperative because we have people that have more honor for things outside than we have honor. Like, you know, you ever watch this? I remember uh, my mom was a single mom. I was the oldest, helping her, working jobs, trying to help raise my younger brothers, siblings. And I remember we, our washer had broken. And, uh, of course, it had broken based on my... Uh, my brother right up under me, you know, he was the, I call him the golden child. Could never do nothing wrong, but he was bad as all outdoors. And of course, I was the oldest. I was six years older than him. And I think he's like 56 now. But nevertheless, uh, he was just bad. I don't even know how to stress him. He was just a bad, he just, mischievous. Let's use another word. I don't want to, I don't want to make him sound like the most horrible person in the world, but he was pretty bad. Basically, any rule that my mother put in place, he broke it and didn't care. He was so nonchalant about breaking rules. So I never get, I was cutting the grass and uh, I came to the house. I said, what are you doing? He had a few pieces of whites. He said, get ready to wash clothes. I said, Tim, you can't wash clothes. I said, that's not enough pieces. I said, it's going to knock the cycle off. I said, mom just bought that. You know, it's going to be, in so many words, it's going to be ugly up in here, but it's not going to be ugly for you. It's going to be ugly for me because I got blamed for all your behavior. I got whoopings for all the whoopings. He did. Yes, I did. I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got whooped for him. I don't care what he did wrong. She always, it was always back on me. So I said, please do not wash those pieces. But Timmy, being who he is, washed them anyway. He had about five pieces of whites. 
My mom was very particular about washing. Uh, your whites had to be white, white. They had, they, your clothes had to be clean, clean. Uh, she beat the brakes off you. So that's why people say today I'm, I'm kind of overkill when it comes to that. But nevertheless, so I'm cutting the grass. She decides to come home early from work. I've been doggone. <laughs> so, let me hurry quick. So, I'm cutting the grass. She comes outside. I, when she says Gregory, the way she says it, here come trouble. Gregory! I should never call me Gregory. Gregory! Get in here. I come in the house. She said the washer is broke. Why? I don't know. Yes, you do know. No, I don't. So I said to myself, this boy don't win and did it anyway. <laughs> I said, I think Timmy, look at the pieces. I think they're Timmy's. So, of course, she looks at it. And I go in the room. I say, man, in my so many words, you get ready to die. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, he comes out the room with his crazy self. And she said, did you wash this? Little bit of pieces of stuff in this dry in this washer and then knocked off the cycle. Yeah. He's like, yeah. She walks off, she walks in the room. This one time I, I can promise you, my heart went out to him. Because I thought she was gonna hit me. But he made a smart comment. Walked in the room and said, What's the big deal? Yeah, we're going to move fast. That's going to be holy. Now, you got to realize, how tall is mom? How tall is mom? About 4'11", 5 foot? Maybe about 5 foot? She about 5'2"? So she said, what did you say? No, this is true. You heard me. Oh, my God. That was the holiest day in America. I watched my mother squat down, bend down, and make a fist. And she said to him, repeat that and come down here. That dummy decided to repeat it. And all I can tell you is, he went one way, she went another with her fist. She hit him so hard. Now, she never wore pants because she was one of them holy, holy women. Took that skirt, squeezed it between her legs. <laughs> sat on top of him and went to wailing. Bam. I'm pulling her off. Mama, you're going to kill him. That's what I plan on doing. Mama, come on, get off him, right? I understood. Yes, yeah, yeah, she had to, yeah, she slid it there. I understood then. I said, wow. This is a whole different world up in here. So, of course, you know, he's in the room crying. She don't blood his lip up, and he's over there crying. I said, dude, you crazy. I told you, that woman ain't got no sense in there. Don't mess with her. Right, but, of course, it didn't stop. So, 
even though we would call that today child abuse. <laughs> no, it, it, it would be today. Oh, that picked the phone up on you. But my point about that is this. I'm trying to make a point about the situation is this. We used to be afraid, even if it wasn't the right fear, to see things, to respond a certain way. We don't live in that kind of society anymore. So what the enemy has done, because I, 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 I can admit that there was a lot of behavior by, by our older parents who probably went too far in the way they disciplined us. And the younger generation have decided, I'm not going through that. But they don't know how to go through it the right way. Because now the enemy has made them become disrespectful. There are a lot of us in church, watch this scripture, who have stopped the move of the Holy Spirit from being on your leader, being on somebody praying for you because of the sins of familiarity. There's a person we call up and you say, you come up for prayer. When this, you know, when everybody's here is packed and you come up, you could have 30, 40 people up here. I remember the Sunday, Pastor Junior preached, it was about 50 folk up here, y'all praying for him, right? But you could see a few of them did not want the person praying for him because it wasn't either me or Pastor Junior. So even if the person needed a miracle because of familiarity, they prevented themselves from getting blessed or getting healed. You don't believe me? Watch this. He went away from there and came to a hometown. The disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many who heard him were astonished. Now, you got to understand this scripture here. They're astonished, but they're not astonished from a positive perspective. They're astonished because he's someone they know through familiarity. Like a lot of us do, right? How we do in society, right? If we know anything on somebody, we think that they're not qualified to tell us nothing. Especially y'all think y'all got dirt on folk. Y'all think that automatically qualifies you not to submit. Even if they've been forgiven just like you did it. Oh, I forgot. No, you don't need no forgiveness. Right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> watch this. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogues, and men who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? They didn't say it because they were impressed. They didn't say it because Jesus was the Savior. They said it because of the sins of familiarity. Now, watch this, watch this. Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? Notice all the questions. How are such mighty works done by his hands? How come there's so many questions of God using him? Here's the rest of it. Is not this the carpenter? You see how we lower people? We, 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 we dishonor people by lowering them from who they are by trying to see them from a natural perspective. Now watch this, right? So this, now he's no longer the brother, he's no longer the savior, he's no longer Jesus because they don't believe that about him because guess what they say? Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary, brother James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sister here with us and they took offense at him. That's why I told you, they weren't astonished by him from a positive perspective. They were astonished by him saying, how can God use somebody who... We know from a familiar perspective. 
We are the same way in church. We want all the forgiveness in the world. We want God to forgive us. We want the Lord to take his blood all over. But we are not the same towards other people. Amen. We don't want nobody to remember. We don't want no one to remember our past, but we are quick at remembering everybody else's past. Now, the same prayer works for you just like it worked for me. When God said in his word, he said he throws my sins in the sea of forgiveness and remember no more, what right do you have to bring them up? Because when someone bring them up for you, come on, y'all talk to me up in here. When someone does it to you, you're upset. They were offended because they knew him personally. We are sitting in church offended with people because we see them make a mistake. We see the human side. You know, we seen them watch a football game. We heard them burp. The pastor burped. Can't respect him no more. I pastor, you know, y'all have all these unfair assessments about us, right? Y'all have all these religious insight about pastors that if you were a pastor, you wouldn't even like it. Because you don't even like it being a brother or sister. So, can I say something? Come on, let me home. Watch this. Let's go a little further. So, four through six. Come on. I'm almost done. Watch this. Verses four through six. Am I saying something today? Am I telling the truth? Right? How many know there's a lot of unfairness in church? It's a lot of unfairness. We, we, we read the same Bible, quote the same scriptures, ask for the same thing, but treat people differently. That's hypocrisy to me. Watch this. So we'll read four through six. Apostle Jude, you go ahead because the screen might be stuck. I don't know. But uh, I thought we put it in there, but maybe we didn't give it to him. But let's read that, Apostle Jude, if you don't mind, please. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Now, notice people misquote that scripture. I want you to read it one more time, Apostle Junior, for me, please. He said a prophet... Is it's, what? It's not without it's honor. It's not without honor. Most of us have read that scripture said a prophet is without honor. That's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture said a prophet is not without honor. A prophet has been getting honored. Mm -hmm. But the honor stops when familiarity comes in. Yes. Amen. It never said that he was, didn't have any honor. It says not without honor. He's always had honor. The prophet, the pastors have always had honor until familiarity comes into church. There's three ways you join a church. The first two, God don't mind. It's the third one that God has a problem with. When you first join a church, and I tell many pastors that, you first join a church through suspicion. I have no issue with somebody saying, well, I'm still trying to, I'm here. I know the Lord sent me. I'm still trying to figure out. Go and get it figured out, baby. As long as you figure it out in God. Amen. Right? The next place you go to is called a comfort zone. That's when you become comfortable. You're like, I like it here. You start going to work. Amen, right? And you love it. But then the area that we fell in is called the sense of familiarity. When you become too familiar and you become too familiar to the point that you start looking at things from a natural perspective and not looking at it from why God brought you here through the spirit. And so the next thing you know, you think that you can cross the line by what you see, by what you hear. 
And I remember because my church in Griffin, I remember I was having lunch with the pastor there. She's my daughter, been my daughter 20-something years. And I remember we were having lunch, and, and we were leaving. I hugged her, and I said, okay, daughter, talk with you later. And she said something. I didn't hear what she said. I actually didn't hear it. And within 10 seconds, she came by. She said, Dad, come here, come here, come here. I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, what are you sorry about? She said, I said something. I said, what did you say? I didn't hear you. She said, don't make a difference. I heard it. And God told me on the spot, don't you ever say that to him again. And let me repent now. See, that's called honor. It, 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 because I'm not that kind of person. I don't hold people in bondage. I don't keep them in captivity because I can't afford to. I can't afford to lead you walking on forgiveness. I can't afford to lead you walking offense because the Bible says very clearly, those that offended, they lie against the truth. Come on, somebody say amen. He said, everyone that deals with offense, you are earthly, sensual, and demonic. So I don't need no demonic or sensual or earthly invitation. Oh, I wish I heard somebody up in here today. So I don't, I don't pray with offense. I don't pray with unforgiveness. Amen. I can't afford to. Amen. Not if I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Amen. Because if I'm up here teaching, I'm offended, he gets grieved. Watch this. He said, a prophet is not without honor, respect, except in his hometown and among his relatives. In his hometown and among his relatives people that are familiar with you. Mm -hmm. You ever got ordained or you ever got elevated church and all of a sudden family like you? Bobby a prophet? And Bobby like, yes. <laughs> but you have those family members that'll be saying, I, I remember Bobby. I, I know where you come from, Bobby. So then that ought to let you know that if you know where I come from and where I'm at now, you know it only had to be God to get me where I'm at. Right? You know, I couldn't have gotten myself in this position. But people, when they know you, amen, they connect, they connect with you, especially after God is elevating you. Familiarity makes them believe that they don't have to accept you or accept you for who you are. Now, I understand that Courtney is never going to accept you. He made that clear to you a few minutes ago. But that's between brother and brother. We ain't got nothing to do with that. Somebody say amen. <laughs> y'all didn't think I caught y'all a joke. Y'all better stop that. I'm in the spirit, but I ain't blind. All right, here we go, right? <laughs> Bad jokers. All right, here we go. Verse number five. <laughs> now, look what he said. Look what familiarity does. Look what lack of honor does. It said he could not do a miracle there at all. I wonder how many miracles we stopped. I wonder how many blessings we stopped because we got in a sense of familiarity. I wonder how many prayers that didn't get answered where we need a miracle at because familiarity, because the person that was praying for us, we didn't think they deserved to. I would literally watch on Sunday mornings, right? We have people come up for prayer. If they knew First time coming, I pray for them because you can tell on their face I want the pastor praying for them. Okay, it's, it's innocent. But then you have those that just, they just, I don't want nobody touching me but you. So I purposely stay in the pulpit. That's kind of mean, right? No, actually, if I designated someone to pray for you, most of the time I can see in the spirit who has the right character. Amen. 
I'm very particular about who pray for who because I know some of us can't pray for everybody. Amen. Right? Because some of us, our personality is a little too strong or, you know, we want to knock the people down before the Holy Spirit does. And that person might have the first experience with the Holy Spirit and we don't want to run them off, right? But then I know those that just particularly have this mindset, nobody touches me but the pastor. Well, I'm not being mean, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're not new. You're not a baby in the Lord. You know better. You, you know that if the pastor only prayed for everybody, we would never get a bunch of people prayed for because he'd be wore out, right? So, uh, and I tell you, I learned this lesson the hard way because I was in my church in Maryland and uh, all the churches was there that I have covered in my Maryland. And it was four, five hundred people there that night. And I remember that the pastor at that time had me pray for everybody in the building. But this was a, this was all the part that got me. Some came back a second time. Well, you know me, you not want to hurt nobody's feelings, don't want to beat around, you know. Of course, I went back and prayed for him again. Well, I paid for it when I got back to the hotel room. I could barely get up the next morning and the Holy Spirit said to me, you the one did this. I didn't let you pray for all them people. You should have told her, no, ma'am, stop. You don't tell me to pray for all these folks. You should have called for help. So guess what I do now? Yeah. Here we go, right? So, said he could not do a miracle there all because of their unbelief. See, unbelief and dishonor goes connected. They're connected at the same time. When you are dishonorable, you don't have a lot of belief. Your belief cycle goes down. Your system, it, it, it does not have. And so there are greater things that God want to give you. He's already promised them to you, but because you walk in dishonor, we was recently in Philadelphia, Mother Church in Philadelphia, and the pastor decided he's going to exchange guards. So he, he now is the overseer of the church, and he elevated his assistant pastor to become the senior pastor. But what we notice is that's going on, no disrespect to the musicians, is that we don't do that here. They know it's not tolerated, but it's tolerated around the, around the country. So what we notice is singers, when they come in, and musicians, this is what they do. So they come in, right? And they sing or they lead praise and worship, right? And they all over the place back and back and forth. The musicians who they bring with them playing and they're doing all this. And so we're, we're standing there and we, you know, and the, the woman, that, the young lady had a great voice, but it was just something wasn't right with the situation. Well, immediately when she got through singing, she looked over at the musicians, she nodded her head, they walked out and left right after praise and worship. Guess what she did next? She walked out and left. So I'm thinking to myself, and y'all know it's very evident that they know I'm not dishonorable to them, but they know I'm very truthful. We have gotten to a place now that no disrespect, but praise and worship leaders believe they're greater than the church. They think that they're more important than the pastor. So what they do is to come in and perform. Give my check. Most time the one they check before they start. I tell them, no, you're going to stay here the whole service. After you do praise and worship. So while I'm ministering, I need you to go back and sing again. Because I'm paying you. And I don't need you walking out on the Holy Spirit because if that's the case, you're just doing your job. These people didn't come this long of a distance to hear me. They come to hear the Holy Spirit. They didn't come to hear you sing only. They want you to bring them in the presence of the Lord. 
How can you walk out on the Holy Spirit? Right? But I'm sorry to say because pastors, we deal with this thing and, and we deal with this inconsistency in church sometimes that we sometimes feel obligated to tolerate stuff that should not be tolerated. And so I watched him. My wife, we looked at each other and I said, and she said, they just walked out. They just walked out. Well, the next night when my wife was preaching, the gentleman that was paying them said, you can't leave. Well, she made it be known she was not happy. She sat with her legs crossed, her arms crossed, and she pouted. While my wife was preaching, my daughter can tell you. She made it be known that she was not happy that she couldn't get out and walk out. She's the same one that did the night before. Eventually she left after, the, I guess, the gentleman stepped on and said, you can go because I, I don't know if he saw it, but it was very obvious that she was not happy that she had to stay and support my wife while she was preaching. Sense of familiarity because someone else, come on, y'all. We have allowed things to go on that is called the sense of familiarity, but that's also called strange fire. He could not do a miracle there, all because of unbelief, except that his, he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. But the people he laid hands on didn't look at him in the sense of familiarity. Even when you're doing for the church, come on, help me out. I'm almost done. Even when you're doing for the church, if you do it from the sense of familiarity, what does that mean? If you think that we need you so bad that you can act any kind of way, Come to church late. Be a leader that's not accountable. Walk in the door like the church owe you something. Teach a class with no spirit. That's called the sin of familiarity. Every position in the church has to ask God this question. God. Am I making it available for you to use me? Evangelistic, we got a lot of people when they're all here. Every ministry, but I'm telling you, I don't care who you are. Usher, God, are you making things happen? Are you using me? When people walk in the door, they feel a smile. They, you know, I was hotel manager for 15 years. The first impression, last impression. Are you using me? The proper way to make sure that people feel loved, feel welcome when they come in the door. From the usher board, the greeters, all the way up to the pulpit. But if the sins of familiarity get in, you'll have this mentality that the church owe you something. People that have been here for years have to be careful, even down when they give their money. I ain't giving my money. I've been here all about it. It's time for somebody else. When did the Bible say that? Where y'all get that philosophy from? Y'all getting quiet on me. Y'all all right up in here? Come on, let me hurry up. So here's something. Here's something quick. I'm going to get through real quick. Watch this. Familiarity breeds contempt. Usually when people become familiar, they become, have a contempted heart. 
And you know the word familiarity come from? Family. Familiarity come from the word family. Am I telling the truth, Janae? Yeah. I know if I ask Janae, she's going to give me the right answer. How many of you ever had family? Look at you crazy. Imagine being married to Apostle Junie, and every day she's telling me I'm not a real man of God. Every day she's throwing up in my face what I'm not doing, and, and you know, you don't deserve to be up there in the poor pit, and I'm like, wow. You tear down what you're married to, and then expect it to work. Everything out of your mouth is poison. I'm supposed to sit and take it. No, not happening. All right, come on, let's move through this. Matthews 8. Am I saying something today, somebody? So, write a couple points down for me. Do you think there's somebody you know? Because the word honor means higher respect and greatest thing. Is there somebody you know and you might have had a problem with or they might have sent you the wrong way? And you think because you know them, you don't have to honor them? Why would God make this principle of honor important? Especially honoring mother and father when he knows that a lot of society have not adopted. This is what hurt me. They did a poll two months ago or maybe three months ago in July, asking society which set of parents are the most difficult to deal with. To my hurt and to my disappointment, it was Christian parents. They found out that majority of Christian parents are more religious than loving. There's no intimacy. My mother never hugged me. She never hardly said I love you, and I can't remember. Christian parents are sometimes most of the most difficult parents to deal with. Because they forgot God is love, not judgment. And they have this philosophy. I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying any of y'all this way, but if you are, you're just going to hear it. <laughs> I'm being mean, I'm just saying. We got to think about this. They have this philosophy that I'm the parent. You just do like I say. No, the devil's a liar. No affection, no love, no compassion, extremely judgmental. But what I really got bothered by was they're extremely, and I use the word hypocritical, because the same thing they're killing you for, they're doing themselves. Are they done? 
I was telling my wife about my cousin who called me, and he hadn't heard me for a time. I said, Greg, I need you to get back in touch with me. I miss us and whatever. And I said, I'm sorry, cousin. I take full responsibility. I do have a busy life. I do have a lot going. Uh, I have a lot going on in the ministry and the church. I said, but it's no excuse. I, I understand. He said, I just miss you. I just miss you. And every time I seem to want to get with you, is you're always too busy or whatever. I said, you're right. So he started asking me about family information that he got online to Ancestry, uh, what is it called, Anita? Ancestry.com. And he said, I'm going to ask you some questions about the family. So he began to ask a question about my mom, and he said, are we really literally cousins, or is that something that was made up? Because when I look on here, and blah, 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 and I say, whoop, stop it. First of all, get off that. Before you see something you ain't ready for. I said, because one choice will affect you the rest of your life. So I need you to chill out unless God told you to go on there. He said, well, I started getting history and so-and-so is not so-and-so baby. And my auntie disagreed. I said, whoa, hold it. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me stop you. I said, you're talking about your aunt, my aunt. Yes. I said, no, that's a lie. That's misrepresented. Well, how do you know that? So I went down the list with him. I said, this, that, this is her mother, that's her mother. Oh, my God. I said, right. I said, get off that. I said, but here's the thing. He said, okay, because I just want to know why when I had a child out of wedlock. He said, because when I had a child out of wedlock, I got judged so bad. He said, the family bot destroyed me. I felt like I wasn't worth nothing when they got through with me. And then I found out them, I said, you talking about them nine aunts of all? I found out that seven of them had babies out of wedlock, but nobody knew it. I said, but that's what we do. I said, but what are you bringing that up for? They're dead and gone. I said, your child is how old now? He's like 43. I said, dude, you, you too old for that. I said, that boy, 43 years old. He's extremely successful, isn't he? He said, yes, he is. I said, who raised him? He said, I did. I said, you raised him? He's successful? You raised two more? They're successful? Why are we going here? I said, get off my phone. He busts out laughing. Get off my phone. That's ridiculous. But again, right? There's an old secret y'all hear me say. Never tell people what you want them to forget. How many of you know people don't never forget stuff about you? How many of know when you tell them, don't tell nobody? He tells somebody, don't tell nobody. 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 She tells somebody, don't tell nobody. And before you know, the whole church knows what somebody shouldn't tell you. So never tell people what you want them to forget, because they never forget it. Praise the name of the Lord. Watch authority. Well, we're going to be done. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. Watch honor. Watch what honor gets you. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Wow. He didn't let the sins of familiarity come in there. Watch this. 
but only say the word. Uh-oh. And my servant will be healed, for I too am a man under authority. See, when you understand authority, you know how to respect authority. The most hypocritical thing we do in the body or in society is we expect people to listen to us, our children listen to us, but we don't listen to nobody. Isn't that hypocritical? You expect your children to be submissive, but you ain't. Oh, why y'all quiet? Come on, y'all, we finna shout in a minute. We gonna shout. I'm a man of authority with soldiers under me. I say to one go, and he goes, and to another come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who follow him, truly I tell you with no, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. See, told you honor and faith go together. Because he was so honorable, it increased his faith. To tell Jesus, you ain't even got to go to my house. I know who you are. Speak the word. Oh, my goodness. See, the more you honor God, the more your thoughts elevate. You start thinking, and before you know it, there'll be thoughts you'll have and people say, wow, you believe God doing this show, do? Why do you believe God about something so impossible? Because I honor him as a God that can do all the impossible. Come on, somebody say amen, right? But the reason a lot of us struggle in our belief and in our faith because we don't honor him at the level he should be. Uh-oh. I tell you, many will come from the east and from the west, recline at the table Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, in that place they will be weeping. He says, see, y'all don't understand. Not having faith will also, if you ain't careful, send you to hell. Because it'll make you stop believing. You don't know who might have a word for you while you're looking at them from a familiar perspective. You don't know. See, there are opportunities you miss because you looked at somebody and judged them based on what their appearance is like or based on what they're driving or based on what they are. But you got all this opinion, folks, you ain't never met on social media. And you believe anything they tell you, oh, I want to be like them. How do, you, how do you know what they're like? But we hear every day and you don't want to be like me. Come on, Barry. Am I saying something today? Honor produces blessing. Say it with me. Honor produces blessing. Here's something that you need to know. I'm going to close. You're more free. You have more freedom in your life when you're honorable. When you're not honorable, you're in bondage. You walk in more freedom when you're honorable. 
us have raised kids. The more we trust them, the more we give them freedom. Mom, Dad, can I go over there? Yeah. Why can't I say yes so quickly? You've proven the past. You can be trusted. You prove that no matter where you're at, you honor what you've been taught. I can't trust you if you get out there and act like you don't know where you come from. Back to the story when my brother got almost killed. We had to go to the laundromat that evening. Of course, he didn't help. I ran into one of my friends. They were doing laundry too, just a surprise. So he said, hey, Gregory, can you help me out, man? Yeah. Our stuff was drying. And he was folding the sheets, but he needed me on the other end so we can fold them together. So I was at the other end, helping him, wrapping them, and doing what we did. And after a period of time, our clothes dried, helping my mom fold. And so we got in the car, and she said, look, I want, to, I want, you, I want you to understand something. She said, I don't mind you helping nobody. But you better not never do more for somebody else than you do at home. We'll do more for other people than the people that's been there for us for years. There are people that have been in your life have done more for you than anyone, but you'll honor somebody else. Because you've lost your honor for us through familiarity. Because sometimes when you do a lot for people, they get too familiar with you. You know, you know that old saying, right? I've told y'all before, right? Okay. Unsanctified mercy. You know, when you go beyond what God says and you're helping somebody, that was me, always helping somebody, God, like I told you, don't give them no money. But then they turn on you. You pay the bills, they turn on you. You raise their kids, they turn on you. And God will say to me, he said, no, 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 you can't be offended. I told you no in the beginning. But you have such a hard time saying no to people because you love everybody and that's not clean. Put the picture up for me. As I close, there's a lot more scriptures, but I won't. But I want you to see this here. Adolf Hitler, he hated the Boy Scouts. He hated their message of togetherness, treating each other right, loving each other right. He wanted to create one world of evil. He turned the youth against the Jewish youth because he despised them. He created a youth group called Hitler's Youth who were told to turn their parents in if they didn't agree with his ideology. Ideology. He started out with 50,000. But he told them, ostracize anybody that don't believe in what I'm teaching you. And he raised these youths up to go against the Jewish youth. He raised these youths up, watch this, to dishonor their parents. Even if their parents was German and if their parents didn't agree with his system, he said, turn them in. 
and the kids were turning their parents and let them get murdered. He had them so brainwashed that this group here went from 50,000 to 2 million. Dishonor the parents. A lack of honor was created. And when you become dishonorable, you become numb to forgiveness. Please, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask you that if there's anything in our heart that's causing us to walk in dishonor, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you're married to. I don't care who your mama and your daddy is. If you know better, the word applies to you. You have no right to stay offended with anybody. Even if they hurt you, you've got to get forgiveness. Because it ain't hurting them, it's hurting you. Unforgiveness is like drinking acid and don't expect to die. Father, <laughs> I've seen so much in 34 years of pastoring a church, 40 years of being in ministry. I've seen enough hurt to last me a lifetime. I watch people you've never done nothing wrong to try to see you crucified. And what I've learned through that experience, I didn't know how much God loved me. Every time the enemy entered my mind to say, Gregory, you know, don't you want to see this happen? No. Vengeance is Lord, yours, the Lord said. You say you're repair. I ain't got nothing to do with it. I don't want nothing hindering my prayer. I don't want anything hindering my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I don't want anything stopping God from using me. But most of all, I don't want nothing just damaging my relationship with the Lord. So I'll close on this one. Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you, that you may have live alone. They live long in the land. Y'all and I both know, people dying young. Why are so many people dying young? Dishonor. You and I both know you couldn't go to no school like a fool. My mother would never go to a school and fight no teacher. She'd go to the school and fight me. They have a hard enough problem. I'm not saying some of them ain't wrong, but my God, they can't even teach. 
because they got a classroom full of dishonorable children that are told by their parents they better not do nothing to you. How many of y'all know this time to change that foolishness? We're not doing my justice. We're not doing them a justice. And God's going to hold us accountable for not teaching our children. My son up here, Deacon Sheldrick, Brother Bill, they've created, what is it called again, son? Your group, you just started. Gentleman. And these young boys, gentleman club, 11, 9, 13, 15, they decided, remember Apostle Junior had mentorship with young girls, pearls, and gems, that we raised the girls up to learn how to create themselves and act a certain way to carry themselves. I watched him teach these young boys downstairs how to behave. I was so impressed because I said, here you are again. This is what our job is. God requires us to pass on what we've been taught. How to act like a gentleman. I'm sorry, them days are not over. How to carry yourself. Them days are not over. But what I was so impressed with was he's teaching them to honor so they can be blessed and live a long time. You better get your little shoo nuke and boo-boo and have a conversation if you know that they're dishonorable. And parents, stop all of that. You can't cuss out your kid and expect them to respect you. They call your child out of the name and then say, I, I get and you better honor me. What honor? Because honor is a choice. There's two areas I close. I don't say this a hundred times, right? Two areas, right? When your child live with you, before they're grown, it's called obey. When your child get grown, they have to make a decision, a choice. It's called honor. They choose to honor you. When they're grown, they don't have to. They should, but they don't have to you. And you need that baby, I'm their parent. Not when they're grown. They have to choose. And we pray that they choose to honor you. My son Gregory Jr. will be 39. He's always been very respectful. Always, but now he's on his own, married, got a child, but it's now honorable. We're teaching children the wrong thing. We're coming from the wrong perspective. We're teaching each other. We're, we're in cliques with each other, saying you don't have to respect somebody because you don't like them. And what you're doing is supporting somebody to cut their life off sooner and cut off their promise with God because you're friend with somebody because they got an attitude with somebody. You got not got an attitude. And the devil is a liar. So, Father, we thank you today. I'm done. I don't talk enough.
Your destiny is in your honor. Your blessing is in your honor. How many of y'all know it's time to work on it? It's time to let the Holy Spirit change it. Put your hands up. You know that for a fact. Come on. Put your hands up. Let me see you. Come on. Put them up high. Nobody's on broke. Here we go. Right. Spouses don't honor each other. Why are you embarrassing your spouse in front of somebody? Why are you whispering to your girlfriend what you don't like about your husband? Why are you missing to your bruh? Then they see you back together. You don't got on Facebook and tore them down. Yeah, you ain't. Oh, girl, I'm about to get up out of here. Next thing you know, y'all. <laughs> And I see you do all that, I'd be like. <laughs> Tearing your husband's wife down and then getting back with him. Is anybody that don't know Jesus today? <laughs> That's one of the most honorable things you can do. Anybody that don't know Jesus today? I told one of my daughters I said your mouth in a room before you do and that ain't good you always got something to say sometimes it ain't your business how many of those people that they always got to have a comment about something they don't even know about if you don't know Jesus your Lord and Savior and you want to be honorable today get the greatest thing that could ever happen to you in your life. If you're here today, we would love to have you come up. I heard the Lord say in my spirit, this is an unshakable house.